Hey, thanks, Dave. Hey, good to be uh, with uh, everyone here in this room uh, and uh, to all those that are watching online. Great to have you with us and thanks for prioritising this time. Uh, Tim, thanks for your word and your reminder to us. Uh, it's exciting to think that in the life of our church, we have uh, upwards of, uh, well, eight different gatherings happening across the course of the weekend, which uh, really is allowing 400 people to be gathering together as the church in different ways, in different times uh, in the life of this church. And so uh, as Tim was saying, hey, keep praying for us. Uh, great opportunities abound in this season for us to, uh, to be a church. I often keep saying, you know, a divided world needs a united church. And if there's ever a time that we're going to stand up and speak into all of that, it is now. And uh, so uh, I just want to say thank you for all the encouragement that people continue to kind of keep sending uh, our way as a, as a ministry team in these times as well. Uh, have you ever felt, question for you, have you ever felt like quitting or giving up? Bit of a rhetorical question. Uh, I, uh, I tell you a story. I remember back to August 1992. Seems like a long time ago now. Uh, but I, I remember leaving this country and landing in Chicago about to begin four years of study at a, a Bible college there. And I kind of landed and dived in it with a great sense of enthusiasm and excitement, uh, kind of having never left Australia before, uh, my family for a long period of time. Here I was now living in this city and uh, soaking it all up. Well, everything was going incredibly well until about four or five months in when suddenly I encountered this uh, a personal situation, which uh, just kind of knocked the wind right out of my sails and, uh, and challenged everything in that moment about kind of following the call of God in my life. And I've got to tell you, I came incredibly close to throwing the towel in, packing up my bags and getting back on a plane and returning home to not only my family, but to everything that I knew to be comfortable I think if we're all honest, and uh, even if you're watching online, uh, there's probably been moments in all of our lives where we thought, you know what, uh, whatever it was that was going on in that moment has kind of pushed us to that limit that you thought, well, uh, you know, the idea of maybe giving up or quitting just seemed like the, the easiest road to walk or the option to take in that moment. Now, whilst we're not really told in the scriptures in the book of Daniel, but I, I do want to I do think there must have been moments in Daniel's life when he just thought trying to navigate his way through living in Babylonian and Persian exile must have just been, this is just too much for me. And in and that spot, he, he kind of contemplated maybe just giving up. I mean, after all, uh, he was the one who was fed to the lions and uh, he was thrown into the fiery furnace as well. So, you know, life had been pretty tough for him. It was no walk in the park living in Babylon as a young man. But as you read the story from beginning to end, it becomes quite clear that uh, Daniel's resilience, his ability to kind of make it to the end, shows us that uh, you don't need ideal conditions to grow up spiritually. And uh, for, you know, as you think about some of these things, you think, well, what enabled Daniel to kind of hold on, to, to hang on in there and to be faithful to the end? And maybe even begs the question for us, you know, what do we do in those moments when we feel like giving up, you know? what kind of stays us the course? Well, uh, I don't know about you, but if you've been reading through this story with us from the beginning to the end, there's different things in there that stand out to us. But as we come to the very end of Daniel today in Daniel chapter 12, I think it's got something to say to us as it kind of bookends this big vision. Uh, there are words, I think, of hope and encouragement for our lives as well as we think about maybe the situations that we face and we work our way through. 
You see, as we open up to this last section, uh, the reality is that we need to remember that the young teenage boy that we saw at the very beginning is now a much older individual. He's a man that's probably somewhere in his mid to late 80s. And we know nothing of Daniel's mates towards the end, but what we get is his resilience. Uh, we're reminded that as we read it, that uh, he's able to stay the course right to the end, that you don't need these perfect conditions to keep growing towards spiritual maturity. But it's in these latter years of Daniel's life as he suddenly gets this last vision. It's a vision that begins in Daniel 10, and then we looked at it last week in Daniel 11, and it gets bookended now a little bit in Daniel chapter 12, and then God just gives him a, a few final words. But at the end of Daniel chapter 11, uh, Daniel himself has this sense, he suddenly realizes that in this vision, he's looking upon an individual, he's gazing upon a wicked individual who would one day inflict unimaginable pain and persecution upon those who remain faithful to God. Something that's off into the future. Well, chapter 12 kind of opens with that same connection. So he's coming out of realizing, not sure who this individual will be, but it's a wicked person. And then it opens them with these words for us and words that we read, but really it was words that were being spoken over Daniel's life at this point in time. And we read this. We're told that at that time, meaning the, the great tribulation, at that time, Michael the archangel who stands guard over your nation will arise. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any other or any since nations first came into existence. Now, was this encouraging to Daniel? I don't think so. You know, at that point, he's, he's receiving these words that uh, there's going to be a moment, and at this time, this is what's going to transpire. You look back on Israel's history, and we only get a small part because we've only seen a small window, but, you know, if you look back through history, trouble and tribulation has been part and parcel of Israel's life. It's been part of the, uh, God's covenant people. You, you go back to the fall of Samaria and then the fall of Jerusalem where Daniel and uh, the people living in the, in the kingdom of Judah were carried off into exile. Then you've got uh, the, that future period that Daniel wasn't a part of, but as the Greek empire rose up and then the, the, the terror that Antiochus Epiphanes then reigned upon the people, the covenant people of God's. You can then move through to AD 70 with the destruction of the Jerusalem temple and all the way to the 20th century with a, with a holocaust. I mean, you don't have to look too far to realize that this group of people uh, living in this little country nestled between some other countries, that there's been untold terror and tribulation that has been rained upon this group of people uh, decade, generation after generation with, uh, with the intent of and trying to eradicate them, to wipe them out, and, and, and yet no one has been able to do it. Well, Daniel is reminded that, uh, you know, it might have been bad so far, but this verse tells him that there will be a future time of trouble that will be different and much worse than anything that Israel has ever experienced. But at this moment, when all of hell is being let loose upon those who are still faithful to God, Daniel is encouraged he is told at the end of verse 1 that every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Now, what's this book that Daniel's being told about? Well, it's the same book that John speaks about in, in Revelation. In Revelation 20 uh, verse uh, 15, it says, If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. 
See, in that moment, God's encouraging Daniel. He's promising Daniel that he would be true to his covenant promise. A promise that he'd given to Abraham all the way back at the, at the beginning in the book of Genesis. Words that said this, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. God says, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your gods and the God of your descendants after you. So no matter what, no matter how terrible this might be, no matter how terrifying it might be for those people living in that time, God was reaffirming to Daniel his promise to always preserve his people. Now on this future day, when this Antichrist is finally overthrown, Daniel is then told these words in verse 2. He's told... He said, uh, many, many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. And those who are wise and have faithfully believed and continue to spread God's truth, although hounded, imprisoned, tortured and even murdered, Daniel is told in verse 3 that these people will shine as bright as the sky and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. For all of eternity, they will just go on. And then he is told these words in verse 4. He's told to seal up the book until the end of time or till, till the time of the end when, when money, many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. Now, to seal up the book, well, it kind of implies that the words of this vision should be kept safely. This is the idea that the words of this vision should be kept safely until the time it was needed. It carries the idea of, of preserving this message so that future generations, people that would come long after Daniel, would, would, uh, would not be ignorant of what is going to happen in history. And so every generation since that period of time have, have been privy to these words. It's as if it's always been God's intent that uh, his people would have an opportunity to hear of, of what is still yet to come and, and, and not just God's covenant people. Now, when is, the time, when is this time of the end? Well, it's a good question because I think it was obviously uh, something that was on the mind of Daniel and, and also the mind of those that were with him on that day. We're, we're told in, in this chapter that there was a man, uh, there was a visitor that day on the edge of the Tigris River who calls out to this other individual, this other man who is hovering above the waters dressed in linen with these words. He says, how long will it be until these shocking events are over? It's the kind of question we would naturally ask, isn't it? You know, we're inquisitive. We're like, well, hang on, I can't quite get my mind around that. How long until, how long will it be until these shocking events are over? And what we're told here is this man raised both of his hands towards heaven and then responded with these words saying it will go on for a time times and a half a time. Now, if you've been reading this story, you'll have heard that phrase before. We've seen it in Daniel chapter 7 and Daniel chapter 9. What does it mean? Well, it speaks of a period that many biblical scholars will associate with that last part of the Great Tribulation. It refers to this period of history where the people of Israel will see that they will be seemingly completely crushed but at that exact moment when it seems like all is lost, the Messiah upon whom they place their trust, trust will return to rescue them. Now, you get the sense that Daniel is somewhat mystified by all of this because he then goes on to say in verse 8, 
how will all of this finally end, my lords? It's a good question. And does Daniel get the answer that he wants? Well, well, no, he doesn't. This man who is clothed in linen, who is hovering above the water, says these words in verse 9, Go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. It's a bit dismissive, isn't it? Go now, Daniel, for what I've... It's got that sense of being dismissive, but it's not really like that. What's being told to him is really these words, do not ask anything more. Leave this matter alone. Inquire no further about such things, for this matter is sealed until the end of time. In other words, all will be revealed at the proper time, Daniel. So you are to, to get on with your life. You are to go about, go back to what you are meant to be doing, and, and which is, you know, praying and serving and worshiping. You are just to get on with your life. And what does that say to us uh, as we think about that today? Well, I think it says a couple of things really briefly. You know, it, it tells us that God's word, the word of God's not given to us just to satisfy our curiosity but it's given to us to lead us to faith and then to grow us towards maturity in Christ. That's the, that's the purpose of God's Word. That's why we have that here. But I think it also tells us that uh, the, some of the Bible's teachings, they just won't be fully understood until such a point in time. You know, and Daniel looked out and he gazed upon this vision of this wicked individual that we now know to be Antiochus Epiphanes. We have the ability, we have the gift of hindsight. We're able to look back and so it's clear to us. But he was also gazing upon a future individual that is still yet to arise. And at that time, you know, it will become clearer to those people. Some parts of Scripture just won't be clear until those days in which they speak have dawned. Now, that's somewhat comforting as we come to uh, Daniel, uh, you know, verses 11 and 12. But before we get there, what's, what's verse 10 say? It says, In this time, many will be purified, cleansed and refined by these trials. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. You see, in those days, we're told that the wicked, they'll become even more wicked. Seems like we're kind of living in those times right now, doesn't it? As we, as we watch what's kind of happening around us. But at the same time, in those days, there will be many people who are purified and refined by such trials. In other words, in that moment, God's people will be becoming more and more fired up about Jesus. There will be a period of time in history where, where people are, are, are so excited about Christ and, and uh, there's, lives are being changed, but yet at the same time, there will be this unparalleled time of, of wickedness that is growing together. See, it tells me that in that moment, this period of time, that this place of middle ground will begin to disappear. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but if you've ever gone sailing and you've stepped onto a dock and the boat's been beside the dock and you've got maybe one foot on the dock and you've got one foot on the boats and you know that little bit of drift that you get as the boat begins to kind of move away from the dock? Well, in that moment, you've got one of two choices, don't you? You're either going to step back onto the dock or you're going to step onto the boat because if you choose to stay like that and the boat begins to drift further and further away, you'll end up in the water. Well, in those days, it will be a little bit like that experience. You won't be able to sit in the middle grounds. You're going to have to, the people in that moment are going to have to make a choice. They're either going to have to choose Jesus or the things of the world. There won't be a place in which they can stand. 
See, many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials, but the wicked will continue in their wickedness. A choice will have to be made. Verses 11 and 12, then Daniel is like, it's like, it's as if God suddenly says, you know what, I'm going to give to him an answer. He's inquisitive. He really wants to know what this is going to look like. And God says to, uh, through this uh, visitor that's hovering above the water, uh, some sense of when this will happen. It says, verse 11, from the time the daily sacrifices stopped, and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshipped. In that sense, it's set up in the temple there to be worshipped. There will be 1,290 days. And blessed are those who wait and remain until the end of the 1,335 days. Daniel is told that there will be a period of time, 1,290 days, And then blessed are those who wait for 45 more days to 1,335 days. Now, you're all sitting here and you're watching online, you're thinking, well, what does that mean? Are you ready? I don't know. I really can't tell you quite what that means. But what I can tell you is that it will make absolute sense to those that are living in those days. See, God's covenant people who are still alive, to those who have come to faith in Christ that have been living in those times, when they suddenly see uh, that the daily sacrifice is stopped and this sacrilegious object is set up uh, to be worshipped in the temple, at that moment, suddenly their minds are going to be drawn back to the Scriptures. And they're going to know, hang on, there is a marking point right here. There's going to be 1,290 days that are going to now transpire from this moment to, uh, to when this, this, this finishes, till the end, until the end of, of this period of time. Is that going to be an encouragement to those people? Absolutely. You see, in that moment, when they feel like giving in or get, uh, quitting because things are just getting harder and harder and harder, those that are living, they're going to have the Word of God, they're going to have this marking point, and they're going to look to one another, and they're going to say, hey, hang on. Remember, we were told it was just 1,290 days as they move towards the end and, and things are just getting more and more challenging. They're saying to one another, hey, brother, sister, it's just 60 more days. It's just 50 more days. Hang on. It's just 40 more days. Blessed is the one who perseveres, who waits until the end. You see, in those days, the Word of God is going to become a a real comfort to those who are still living, uh, encouraging them to keep persevering and staying the course right to the end. And then it all finishes. It's as if God gets incredibly personal with Daniel, this older man, and he comes to him and he says, As for you, go your way until the end. You will rest And then at the end of the days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. See, Daniel's not being told to go away. But rather, Daniel, go on and get on with your life. Daniel, you won't be, your life is not not much longer for this world. But go away and get on with your life and remain focused right to the end. And we don't know when Daniel died. We don't know whether it was a month later, a year later, five years later, but as an older man. What we do know is that Daniel lived the rest of his life, these final days, with this great assurance from God that God had promised him rest and a future reward. So what do we do with all of this? What do we do with this part of Daniel? Well, 
while much of what's written in this is really quite cryptic and difficult to understand, I also think it's full of hope and encouragement for difficult times. Daniel was being told by God, you know what, there's hope and encouragement, but these days are going to get more difficult, but hang on with hope because of what's being shared. So how does that help you and I to keep on going when we feel like quitting or giving up? And what does it say to those of us, uh, you know, what does it say about holding on to our faith in Christ in those difficult seasons of life? Well, I want to share maybe just two things that I've been thinking about this past week that uh, I want to land with, I want to share with us today that I think uh, speak words of hope and encouragement for us as we kind of finish and wrap up this series. And here's the first thing. You see, uh, I want to remind us that we ought not to be surprised by any trouble that comes our way as we faithfully follow Jesus. That's the reality. You see, just as Daniel discovered for his own life, we too could expect tough times in our own lives. That is the reality. I mean, Jesus spoke these words over his own disciples. Uh, we, we, uh, we know that uh, in, in the Gospel of John, on the night that Christ was betrayed, he'd spent some time with his disciples in the upper room. They'd shared the Passover meal together. Then they had left there and they began to make their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And it was in this garden that Jesus began to share with them, to speak some final words over their lives in terms of, of kind of preparing them and equipping them for what was to come. And, and in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. And then he says this, in this world you will have trouble. Out of the mouth of Jesus. It's as if he was saying to his own disciples in this moment, you're going to come across some tough times. There's going to be some moments in life where you are facing overt persecution and you're going to feel like giving up. You're going to feel like quitting and throwing in the towel. So I'm telling you right now, in your life, in these moments, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That was the word of Jesus to his disciples in that moment. You see, we should not be surprised at all by any troubles that come our way because the scriptures also tell us in in Luke chapter 10 that we have an enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy our enemy is Satan. And he will do whatever he possibly can to, to, to bring trouble into our life that A, might just trip us up or stop us from following Jesus or just say, you know what, this is all too hard. I'm throwing in the towel. And in that moment, we ought not to be afraid or concerned or anxious. The words of Christ should just come ringing in our ears. You know, in this world, you'll have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, that tells us that we're on the winning sides. We win. You know, even if, uh, uh, you know, uh, we don't see or we're not around when, when Christ returns, the reality is that you and I, if we are faithful followers of Jesus, we're on the winning sides. And that is worthy of an amen today. So if you're sitting here today or you're watching online and you're thinking, gee, life is really hard for me right now, you remind yourself, I'm on the winning sides. You're thinking, gee... Uh, this trouble that just seems to be coming my way, well, I, I, I remind us to say, you know what? Yeah, we know that tough times are going to come our way. And the reality is there will be moments in our lives where we feel like giving up. And if I'm honest with you, 
There's been those moments in my life because I'm just like you are as well too. And, and the last three or four months have probably been some of the toughest challenges of my life in ministry. And I don't share that today just to kind of grab your pity. It's just kind of a statement of fact. But there's been some moments in the past three months where I've actually thought, you know what, do I have what it takes to really continue to keep leading in this space? You know, as I've watched, you know, it's 18 months ago, if you'd asked me, uh, what would a, a virus and a vaccination or a vaccine do in this globe? Uh, would, it, would it have the kind of effect that we're watching today? I would never have imagined what we're dealing with. You know, the past uh, few weeks, months, I, I have been incredibly saddened as I've watched uh, the impact of these times and what it's doing in people's lives. Just a few weeks ago, I, I spent probably 10 or so minutes on the phone talking to our local MP, pleading with her, acknowledging to her that, you know, as a, as a pastor in a large church and a chaplain of, a, of, a, of the Benigo South Football Nepal Club, that I was distraught by what this was doing in the lives of people in our community. And the rhetoric and the language that was being used reminding her that this is breaking up relationships. It's dividing husbands and wives. I've gone to bed at night time, deeply saddened, and I've woken up first thing in the morning deeply saddened by all that's just been happening. And probably what saddened me the most is that I'm naturally I'm a guardian. That's my pastoral heart. I'm a guardian heart, and so I want to protect and I kind of finally, reached, finally found myself reaching this point where I can't protect anymore. This is just fragmenting and breaking up and there's not much I can do about any of this. Apart from get on my knees and to continue to keep praying. You know, it was in those moments that uh, I'm just being honest. I just thought, you know what, God, I'm not quite sure I've got what it takes and maybe somebody else needs to lead in this situation. Do you know what holds my feet to the fire? It's the reminder of stories like Daniel. And it's the words of Jesus who says to us that uh, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. Be encouraged. Hold on. Hang on. Because I have overcome the world. That's what holds me there. See, what holds you, what's going to hold you there when you feel like quitting or giving up? In those moments when you just feel like this is just too hard, this is just too much, I can't do this anymore, we have to remind ourselves in those exact moments that Jesus has said, you're going to have trouble in this world, but do not fear, take heart, be encouraged. I have overcome the world. We are on the winning sides. And I want to say to us today, if there is ever a moment when this world needed a united church, it is right now. It needs us all pulling together in the same direction with our eyes clearly on Jesus, making sure that we are keeping the main thing the main thing. And we can hold our convictions, that's fine. But you know, we've got to hold them a little bit loosely. 
And we've got to make sure that we are keeping Jesus front and center of all that we do in this season. A divided world needs a united church like never, ever before. We should not be surprised by trouble. But when trouble comes our way, we hold on to the fact that we are on the winning side. Friends, we're going to win. Jesus, he wins. If God is for us, who can be against us? We keep plowing ahead, reminding ourselves we're on the winning side. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. I want to remind us, because I'm reminding myself as well too, that our hope in this world is not found in the things of this world. It's not found in the pleasures of this world, as good as pleasures might be. It's not found in the relationships that we long for, as good as relationships might be. It's not found in health. It's not found in riches. It's not found in a vaccine. Nor is it found in the praise of other people. You know where our hope is found in? It's found in Jesus. And I think that somewhat explains why Daniel and these exiles, they were so resilient. You know, uh, 70 years after being taken into captivity, we know that they returned back to, to Judah, back to Jerusalem, and they reestablished and reforged their life there uh, and, and began to settle down and grow again there. But that didn't mean that their hard times were done with. But what made them, what enabled them to see through that period of time? Well, for me, that they got through, uh, you know, overt uh, indoctrination, great temptation, and the thought of this unparalleled time of evil. They got through all of that because they knew that the joys and the pleasures of that world were incomparable with the coming joy of all that God had promised to them. And so they held on with hope. So I want to say, what are we holding on to with hope for today? I love relationships, but relationships, well, they can be fickle at times. They will come and go. It's nice to have you know, some cash in the bank and to have some sense of well, what you're going to do with that, but our hope is not going to be in any of that. We all know that our hope is not going to be in a vaccine as well too. What is our hope? Well, one day we're going to stand in the presence of Jesus. And we're going to find in that moment that the everlasting reward of, of joy, of peace, and hope, uh, it far surpasses any sacrifice, any suffering, or any trouble that you and I might encounter in this world. And so I urge us today, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, uh, wherever we might be, I, I urge us that we hold on with hope because Jesus is worthy of it all. He is worthy of it all. I don't know what uh, you might be facing today or what challenge might be coming your way, but the reality is that we're going to have trouble in this world. Daniel had it. We're going to have it. We shouldn't be surprised by that. But friends, we are on the winning team, and Jesus is worthy of it all. You know, I want to close uh, maybe just uh, sharing this with you by reading to you some words that come out of the Psalms. Psalm chapter 91, verse 2. And... Uh, I'm not quite sure what was going on in the psalmist's life as he wrote this, but it seems like such fitting words for me to share uh, as our team comes back and as we wrap up this series in Daniel. But in Psalm chapter 91, verse 2, it says this, I will say of the Lord, it's like it's a declaration that's being made. The psalmist is saying, I am making a statement of faith as to what I believe. And it seems like this is a fitting moment for us to put a line in the sand and to make a statement and say, this is what I believe. I will say of the Lord's, 
He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. No matter what comes our way, no matter what we might face, no matter whether we've been blessed with wealth or we haven't been blessed with wealth, whether the vaccine helps us or whether it doesn't help us, uh, whether uh, our friends come or whether our friends go, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. May those words be true of each and every person who calls Bendigo Baptist Church their home. May they be words that are true of us in this season as we, as we walk towards Christmas as we wander into 2022 with all of the challenges that will undoubtedly come our way, I will say this of the Lord. He's my refuge and he's my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Would you join me as I pray? Father, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here in this room and those that are watching online right now. Father, you know the challenges of our lives. You know what we're facing. None of it surprises you because your own son told us that in this world, we would have trouble. And so, Father, we thank you for the encouragement of Daniel that as we wrap all of this up, these words that were spoken over this old man, blessed is the one who waits for. It's just a reminder that blessed is the one who endures or, or perseveres. Blessed is the one who waits for to the end, right to the very end. Father, I ask that you would enable us to be a, a, a group of people who are able to persevere, that you would, you would put steel in our bones, that when tough times come our way, that the, the tough, they just get up and they get on going. And we just keep on moving. And we keep believing that the best is still yet to come. We keep our eyes on Jesus, holding on to him, believing that uh, uh, that. We know that he's overcome the world, so we, we just keep believing the best. So God, when we feel like giving up, God, would you pick us up? For people right now who are just overwhelmed and struggling, God, would you, uh, would you fill them with a great sense of inspiration that enables them that they can't do it? Father, we can't do this in our own strength. Your word says that it's not by might nor by power, but it's by your spirit. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would empower us afresh as your people to keep living faithfully, keep following after your son, Jesus, to keep living faithfully after him, doing what you have called us to do, being on mission with Jesus, sharing the love of Jesus with people wherever we go. Father, we pray that your son will be magnified in and through our lives in this season and that you would continue to use Bendigo Baptist Church to be a light that shines brightly in this community. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.